Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Show Me How Good It Gets. I'm your host, Malvika. beautiful people. Thank you for being here. Thank you for letting me into your ears and your hearts. I really appreciate it. Today, I am joined by a guest, my friend, Sandalina, who right now is in New York working in investment banking. And I know her because we grew up in the same hometown, went to different high schools, but always had mutual friends. And every time we have talked, we've had just like really, really lovely conversations. And I enjoy hearing her perspective on things dearly. I think she's such a badass and I asked her to come on and share some things with you guys. Our conversation really goes all over the place. We start with just a little bit of an introduction, who she is, her journey to liking herself is what she calls it. And then we also talk about Western dating, which we've both taken a part of, and she's looking into arranged marriages now, so we talk about that, what that's like. We talk friend breakups, friend groups, why she's not a friend group person, why she's not a male friendships person. We talk romantic breakups, and fun fact, after my first ever breakup, I like DM'd her on Instagram, uh, nervously asking for advice, which is, I think, like actually where our friendship started. And then we also talk immigrant child guilt, what it's like moving away from your family to pursue your dreams. We talk a little bit about professionalism, which if you know anything about the investment banking world, it's that it is just a really different culture. And she's a pretty feminine person, just like me. So we talk about what it's like to tread those two worlds. And I'm really excited for you guys to hear this episode. She is someone I really, really respect. And I think is very articulate and eloquent and thoughtful. So enjoy. Every time I do this, I'm like, am I doing this right? No, I think that's correct. Okay. Um, hello. Thank you for being here. Thank I, you for having me. Yeah. So everyone, this is Sandalina. I'm going to put in a little picture of you and a little bio, but you're someone that I felt really inspired by from afar. I think we've always had so many mutual friends and everything you've posted, I felt really deeply, deeply resonated with me. And I know I could just sit here and talk to you for hours about so many topics, like even brainstorming what I wanted to talk to you about. I was like, oh, and this, and I would love to pick your brain about this and this. But if you could tell everyone a little bit about yourself, what you're up to right now, where you are, what you're doing, how you got here, I would love that. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for the lovely introduction. Um, It's really an honor to be here. I love your content so much too. Um, And yeah, I'm, I'm excited. So introductions. I think there's like two types of introductions, right? There's the crux of who I am. And then there's like the resume fact sheet. Um, I'll go ahead and do both if that's okay. Yes. Um, so in terms of the crux of who I am, let's talk about who I am right now in this moment. Currently I'm in my early twenties. I'm in a very exploratory phase of my life. I feel like in some ways I'm probably the most lost I've ever been, but also the most accomplished I've ever been, which is interesting, um, that those two things can coexist at once. Um, I think I'm in a phase where I'm getting existential and I'm digging deeper into what I want out of life um, and reevaluating some of my trajectories and decisions. Um, But to the fact sheet, um, I am 22. I live in New York City. I'm an investment banking analyst. I went to Berkeley. And before that, I went to community college, Foothill College specifically. Um, Amazing. Shout out. Um, And I studied business. I was born and raised in the Bay Area, specifically Cupertino, which is how I know you. Um, But yeah. 
And I remember very clearly something about the Bay Area is where you go to college becomes such a way people look at you. And it was this horrible environment, I have to say. Uh, It was kind of like, yeah, you are going to college, but which one? And that's kind of the bucket people are going to put you in. And you were always seen as like someone who's very smart and accomplished and driven. And you made like a very publicly bold choice to be like, I'm going to community college. And I remember that you've always been very brave and very outspoken, but how did that, did you feel like a sense of, oh my God, what am I doing? Did you feel that at all? Yeah, no. Um, First of all, thank you for that. But no, yeah, uh, it was, it was not easy at that point in my life. It was single-handedly the toughest decision I'd ever made. My entire life, I really, um, similar to what you talked about in your last episode about finding your passion, I really never really knew what I wanted to do. Um, I kind of process of eliminated myself into the business world because I knew that I didn't want to be a lawyer, didn't want to go to med school. Um, And because of that, I was like, okay, well, I know that this is something that I want to pursue um, just by virtue of not wanting to do anything else. Um, And I knew that I had schools in mind that were, again, like the top schools that everyone in Cupertino, the Bay Area talks about, like the the UCLA's and the Berkeley's of the world. Um, And when I didn't get into either of those schools, which are my top two choices, I was absolutely crushed, dedicated, um, sorry, devastated. And it feels Um, like the world is closing in on you. It feels like that is the end all be all. Yeah. Yes. exactly. And I know, you know, this feeling, but like you come into class the day after like UC Berkeley comes out and everyone's just like on the edge of their seat and they're looking at each other. Oh, did you get in? Did you get in? Did you get in? Oh, why did you get in? She didn't get in. Did you hear this girl got in? And I literally was anxiously sitting there quietly. And I was like, I didn't get in. No, I didn't. Um, and it sucked. And I, I really wanted to, I committed to UC Santa Barbara actually. Cause I was like, okay, I, that was also one of, that was my third choice. I was like, okay, great. Like I got in, so I'll take it. Um, but I was just really thinking about kind of what mattered to me in the grand scheme of things. And what really mattered to me was ending up in a very like top corporate position in a big city. Um, and not that Santa Barbara doesn't allow you to do that. It's a spectacular school. I have amazing, amazing friends from there that are also in the city now. I just felt like Berkeley and UCLA like aligned with more with what I was looking for. And maybe that has some like elitism embedded into it inherently by virtue of like growing up in the Bay Area. Um, but for better or worse, that's what I wanted. Um, and I knew that it didn't make sense for me to settle in a way for something that I just personally didn't think was going to benefit me in the way that I wanted in the long run. Um, and then it was also about money. I was like, you know, do I really want to spend one hundred and twenty thousand dollars on an education? I don't know if I want my parents to spend that much money if I'm not happy with where I'm going. Um, so one thing led to the next and I was like, I think I just need to try again. Uh, and it was hard telling people that I was going to community college. I knew people made assumptions about me in high school. Cause I was a cheerleader. Um, I, I did a lot of different things. I knew that there were people in my AP classes that I was an idiot. Cause I'd come with like a sparkly bow on my head every Friday for football games. And like, it was hard to look them in the eyes and be like, yeah, I'm going to community college. Cause like reaffirmed every imposter syndrome insecurity I had, um, in, in their minds. And I knew that, um, but I just ultimately knew that I can't let that run my life and run my decisions because it's my life and these people I'm never going to see again after graduation. So, and I think especially as like being a woman, you're put into a box. You're like the funny girl or the smart girl wow. or the pretty girl, and it's and it's hard when you're like, no, but look at me and I'm all of these things, you know. And especially at that age, I feel like at least now we can. It's everyone is so much more multifaceted, but at like 17, 18, when everyone wants to put you in a box so badly, it feels, I, I remember that like stage so vividly. I remember every school decision that came out, everyone would be in the same place because they would often like come out during school hours, if you remember that. Yeah. And it was just, 
the worst thing ever. But I like, I wanted to touch on that, which is now so funny to look back on because everyone is so happy with where they ended up yeah. and everyone ended up in the right place. And it just like now doesn't matter. But at the time it feels like the whole world is going to come crashing down if you don't get into this one yeah. place that you've put all your eggs in that basket. But okay. So fast forward a little, we've really touched into our friendship at like very specific moments <laughs> of time throughout college. And it's like very intense. We'll have like one big conversation and we kind of go our separate ways. And I remember reaching out to you when I was going through like a bad breakup. Yeah. And I was like, I just tell me what's going to help. And we <laughs> talked a little bit about that. I want to, I want to get into dating a little later, but first I want to talk about, you say you've had this like journey to liking yourself through therapy, yeah. through a lot of self-work. When did you figure out like, I, okay, something is wrong. And I, here's where I want to be. How did you find a therapist? How did you do that self-work? Because finding a therapist is still a very auxiliary action. Like, what are you doing within yourself to be who you are right now? Like this girl I'm talking to. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. There's, there's a lot of parts that answer. Um, so I guess let's start with like the beginning of realizing yes. that I needed to go to therapy. So I was, and we can get into this more later too, but I, I was in going through a breakup. Um, and it was not the one that you and I had discussed at the time that we had touched base to talk about our, our breakups, but it was a second breakup after that. Um, that was very tumultuous and emotionally draining. Um, and it was, it was very unhealthy, the situation. And I realized that after that situation, I like really hated myself, like so, so, so much. Like I did not like the person that was staring back at me in the mirror. I wanted to be anybody but myself. And that was also like, unfortunately, like some of that did come from the nature of the relationship. Like the, it, it, it planted new insecurities in me. Um, but I kind of just realized I'd lost myself. Like I wasn't, I didn't like the person I was with that person. And I also didn't like the person I was without that person. So really I just didn't like myself period. Um, and you know, you, you cry, there's, there's nights where you cry, there's nights where you pray, you, you do the whole nine. And then you realize like, the only way I can dig myself out of this hole is if I get help, I need to try it. Um, I'd never been to therapy. I was always a proponent of it in theory, but I think maybe I was like, Oh, I don't need it, but I would recommend it to other people, but I don't need it. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, I need it too. Um, but yeah. And then I, the process was difficult, um, at first, but I think things fall into place very nicely. And I got very lucky with my situation. I reached out initially to campus. Um, this is when I was at Berkeley. Um, also ironically, probably the worst time of my life. Like I wanted to go to the school so bad. And the time I had there, I absolutely resented, um, fun fact anyways, but, um, yeah, so I started reaching out to Berkeley's, uh, health services and I was like, Hey, like mental health, I need help. What's going on. What's the deal. Um, and th you know, there was COVID stuff going on. There was a lack of availability in person. Um, and I also didn't want to spend too much money. So, so basically long story short, I ended up talking to people that referred me to other people. And it was, it was a chain of, of referrals. And then I wound up with this South Asian woman in Oakland. Um, so she's in her twenties. She is so, so freaking cool. Um, <laughs> I wish I was still in therapy just so I could like still talk to her. I absolutely, yeah. love her. Um, I think about her and I hope she's doing well. Um, but, and she did, uh, she did private therapy on a sliding scale. Um, so I was able to pay $80 per session, which is, I know still not the cheapest, but I was in such a bad place that I was like, I'll pay whatever to whoever, like somebody get me out of this hole. Um, so that's kind of how I started therapy. And what have been therapy's greatest hits for you? Like 
what do you still use from that? Like are there mantras? Are there little things you tell yourself, actions you do? What has helped? I think, yeah, I, I think the the biggest thing was just, I felt so validated during therapy. And I think one thing that I took away from that is like, so historically I would always second guess myself and Mm -hmm. constantly invalidate myself and be like, Oh, like I must just be wrong. Like this person must be right. Like I just must be stupid. Like I just must be horrible, blah, blah, blah. Um, But what I think I learned through therapy is like, I'm the one telling myself that. And if somebody else is telling me that I'm letting them say that to me, you know what I mean? So it's, it's kind of like, I'm allowing myself to be treated poorly. And I realized that at the root of all of that was just severe insecurity. Um, and I, I think like that really helped shape my worldview moving forward and leaving therapy with self-confidence and also understanding that I get treated the way that I allow myself to be treated. So when I'm in a situation with someone and I don't want to be in that situation, um, I just leave, which is something I've never done before. I'd never walk away from someone. I'd never walk away from a situation. I didn't even know what boundaries were. Oh my God. I didn't know what boundaries were. I learned what boundaries are. Um, and also I think another thing is like, I learned how to be alone. Like I used to not be able to do anything alone before therapy. I was like, so anxious. I was like, Oh, like people probably think I'm a loser, blah, blah, blah. But then after therapy now I'm like, Oh my God, I don't want anyone to talk to me. Like I want this whole day alone. Yes. I love being alone. It's almost like I kind of am now scared that I'm like, oh my God, am I ever going to be able to not do this? Cause I love it so much. Me too. Like I'll plan like a little Saturday for myself. Like I, yeah. I'm going to go eat here and I'm going to go shop here. And it's like, it would actually be almost a burden now to, to do this with someone else. I, I know I kind of have the same feelings. I get it. Pros and cons to everything, but yeah. Pros and cons. And okay. So a little going back a little bit dating, where are you now? No, that's a really good question. Um, you know, it changes. Uh, I know. I feel like for both of us, it's just like ever fluctuating yeah. depending on what's happened, our mood. It's also just like, I think maybe as a culture, we maybe talk about it too much and we put it too at the fore of like what being in your twenties is. So yeah, where are you with that? No, um, I think, yeah, I always try to go like big picture when answering these questions, but I feel like there's a couple things to evaluate before evaluating the present. The first is the intention. Since mm-hmm. I've been a kid, I've always been a lover girl. I've always known that I've wanted yes. to be a wife and a mother. So that's been the driving force behind my desire to date um, and, you know, have interactions that are flirtatious with the opposite gender. Like that's what excites me. I'm like, oh my God, like I want to find my husband. Like I want to find the father of my children and I date to marry. Now that doesn't mean that I'm going to turn every man into my husband or force them to be. All it means is that if I see a quality in someone that I can recognize instantly as I don't want this in a husband, then I'm done. I'm done with the situation. Oh, at least now after, after therapy, um, you're like fail fast. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, and I think also the history is important. So like I alluded to this, um, with the second relationship, but my first relationship also didn't like go very well. Um, as you can tell, it's like a pattern is what I learned through therapy as well. Um, and I think because of two such like wildly negative experiences, um, I was scared for so long to date again. Uh, when I moved to New York, I finally allowed myself to do it. because so I was like, okay, now's the time, big city. And when you move to a new city, I, mean, I know you feel this in Chicago too. It's like, you have a honeymoon phase. You're like, oh, everything's so grand. And yeah. And you're kind of like in a movie or a show. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Like the main character of your own rom-com and like, you're writing the story. It's all yours. The day is yours to seize. The moment is yours. Um, 
So then I started dating and it was hard. It was, it was hard at first. Uh, but instantly I was, I learned that there are amazing men out there and I only started meeting them once my self-esteem was like high up and, and I was confident in myself and the way I carried myself changed. And I realized like, oh my God, there's so many great guys and there are chivalrous men and there are husband worthy men out there. But then the issue became like, are any of these guys, like, are they, are their minds complex and intricate enough to keep me not bored? And the answer was no, there were sweet guys, but that's all they were sweet guys. They were smart guys, but they weren't on a level where I felt like I would want to pick their brain and I'd, and I'd allow them to pick mine. Like there was like a point at which it was not enjoyable anymore. And I was like, okay, like, I don't know if this is something I see moving forward. Um, so I just, yeah, I've, I've had phases. Uh, I do the dating apps, but then I hate the dating apps and I'm like, Oh my God, I don't like swiping. It just feels so you, it feels like demeaning in a way. And I know we all do it, but I'm like, I don't want to put my, my, myself, I don't want to put myself in a picture for someone to say, Oh, she's ugly or she's pretty. I want to get to know her or not. Like I want someone to evaluate my persona in a room and I want them to be like, wow, she lit up this room. Like I need to go talk to her. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, so I, yeah, I'm currently in like a not dating phase. I think I have commitment issues also. There's like lots to unpack there. Um, every, but I think, um, one thing that I am doing is despite my like on and off with like dating apps, I am pursuing the arranged marriage risk the process through my religious community. tell me everything oh my god I need <laughs> to know about this so yeah I know it, it seems counterintuitive because I just talked about having commitment issues um but I think there's like a comfort I feel in knowing that like families are involved and like this is mm-hmm. a good person from a good family with a clear with the good intent I the one thing I don't like about normal dating is like you have to jump through a lot of hoops like okay who who is this person where do they come from um, what is their intention? Do they want to sleep with me? Do they actually want to get to know me? Do they even want marriage? Do they want kids? Like there's a lot to learn and it's a beautiful thing. Um, but what's the risk that process you cut to the chase and it's just all about, you jump straight to compatibility. Um, cause all the other boxes are checked off by virtue of being in the process. For I will- people who don't know what this is, like, can you give a little description? Yes. Yes. Um, so the risk, the process, uh, with the arranged marriage process is very similar to what's depicted in the Netflix show, Indian matchmaking. Mm-hmm. So what happens is, um, you're in a community and that community can be religious. It can be based on your, uh, location, uh, ethnicity, whatever you name it. Um, and you just have a bunch of parents that are kind of talking to each other. There's matchmakers also in the system. And what they do is they have these profiles, um, about a person's basics you know what's their occupation what's their interest what are they looking for in a life partner and what they essentially do is they match make through word of mouth and in the modern day um it's actually a very beautiful process because it's very similar to dating in terms of the freedom that the two individuals have to get to know each other um so it's not in the olden days you know there's a negative connotation because in the olden days it'd be like oh like you know a and b you guys get married go you don't have a choice but now there's a lot um with the new generation about like your own thoughts and feelings and opinions, um, and consent and desire and romance. So basically I just think of it as speed dating with parental consent. If I don't like someone, I'm never going to see them again. And if I do like someone, I will see them again. And if we like each other for a long time, then we, you know, instead of dating for like years and years and years, we like, we just cut to the chase. I'm like, okay, is there a future? Yes or no. Do you proceed forward? Yes or no. I think that's cool. I think there's still such a connotation of like, well, that means people are forcing you, you know, a couple of dates in your force, but it is just kind of an introduction. It's like being set up from a friend yes. a little bit. Yeah. Exactly. That's a much better explanation. Yeah. But no, it, 
but there is like also a cultural aspect though right because if you are looking to get married to someone with the same religious background or cultural background like this sifts through that for you it's yeah I think have you been have you met anyone through it so my the community that I'm in is a very small sect of Islam um and so I haven't met too many people I'm also new to the process um I did meet up with one person in New York actually so he was he was in the city um and we went for like dessert or something and it it was sweet it was it was wholesome um I just didn't know if it was for me so I I told him very quickly I called him like the next day and I was like hey you are so great but I don't know if I see it like that but I would love to be your friend um so we're friends now um which is which is really nice I made a friend in the city out of it um but I'm still open my mom sends me profiles all the time um and I'm I'm really like open-minded I'm like I'll talk to anyone like I don't want to assess from a picture or profile just put them on a zoom call with me or an in-person coffee and I'll figure yeah. it out. Yeah. Cause it's nice to know how someone laughs, if they're laughing at your jokes, how they like talk to the waiter. I don't know. I think all that stuff just like makes a human yes. in a way, a picture and a profile just never will never capture it. They'll never capture it. I've never been able to get into dating apps. And every time like my friends and I have like sat around trying to even build a profile for me, I'm like, it just, that's not me. Like it, I, it, I, I, I'm trying to be funny, but I'm not, that's not my sense of humor really. And and really, it's almost my friend's sense of humor because we're all doing this together. It's like, yeah. it just gets a little bit weird and icky for me. But I also recognize it is a great way to meet people, especially if you're new to a city. But I've, I just, I can't get myself to lean lean that way. No, I, I definitely, I understand. And, and that's, hence the phases. It just, there's so much more to a person than a profile. But I recognize in this day and age, like, especially in like, I don't know how it is in Chicago, but in New York, like, people just see right past you. Like, it's like, you're, everyone's so busy and on the run. Sometimes it feels like dating apps and bars are the only place where people like slow down to actually evaluate a person, which sucks because those are like the, my two least favorite environments to find a person. So yes, I've never been able to get into the bar thing either. Cause it's loud and I'm usually tired yeah. or I just want to hang out with my friends. Yeah. Like exactly. I'm usually there to catch up with someone or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I'm a very one-on-one girly. Like I like to have like in-depth conversation and like, I'm not good at like jumping up and down in a group of people at a club or a bar I've never enjoyed. yeah we're both tiny so I really also feel like people can't really see us my <laughs> ideal situation is like a setup like my friend is like oh here's this person yeah I do like a good setup a, a setup situation is always nice and there's always that like trust and familiarity of like okay yes. you know like you pass the background checks you know yes yes I completely agree okay We've talked dating. I want to talk about breakups and not necessarily just romantic because I think you have a lot of great taste also on friend breakups. And it's, I really think we just don't have enough content about friendship in our culture. Like, I just think it's such a deeply overlooked part about girlhood, about womanhood, about just being a human. And I think friend breakups can be just like gut wrenching, devastating in ways that sometimes for me, romantic breakups never will be because. I think going into dating, there's like always a chance like, oh, this could end. But with friends, I don't go into it like that ever. With friends, I'm always like, oh, you're going to be in my life forever. So when that falls through, it feels particularly devastating. Have you had to deal with that? And how have you kind of talked yourself down or through it? Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point. So for context, I definitely think I fall into the category of people that like what you said to me makes logical sense to me. But naturally, I think romantic breakups have actually always been more difficult for me than friend breakups okay. and not because I don't value my friends but it's because you can have multiple friends at mm-hmm. once and there's not there's not a pressure of like 
this friend needs to be my friend forever. So I can get that one thing in life that I've always wanted, which is a family. Yeah. So for that reason, romantic breakups, like hit me really, really hard. Like I'm a huge, huge, huge lover girl, <laughs> as I mentioned before. Um, but I have also gone through very devastating friend breakups that I had to grieve. Um, and it wasn't easy. And I feel like I'm, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm an interesting case because I've never been a friend group person. Um, mm-hmm. And oh, any, why do you think that is? I think it's because I crave emotional depth and I'm not saying you can't have it in a friend group, but what I am saying is in a one-on-one friendship, I think that comes out more quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and in friend groups, a lot of, a lot of times from what I've witnessed at least, and I'm If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm sure this isn't always the case, but from what I've seen, at least that scares me is like, there's like drama and there's like, who said what to who? And like, I don't know. I've just, I've just seen so many bad situations transpire in front of me. And I've also seen good situations transpire in front of me for what it's worth. But I've just noticed I naturally in front in groups, I never feel comfortable like really being myself because there's so many like different people analyzing you at that exact moment. And one thing that I, my therapist analyzed about me is that I'm a social chameleon. So like I can talk to anyone, which is a good and bad thing because it doesn't give me a sense of self. All I do is like constantly match the person I'm talking with. And like, but when I'm in a group, it's hard to match like multiple different people. And it's not that I'm not being authentic to myself. It's just like different sides of myself come totally. out yeah. for individuals. And when it's a big group, it's like hard to like really navigate. Um, so I've always felt like a weird social anxiety in like group settings. Um, and I, I always like silo off and like talk to people one-on-one in groups, mm-hmm. um, it, which is literally if anyone, if anyone's been to a party with me or anyone's known me through high school, middle school, and like, they would tell you the same thing. They're like, yeah, she does that. It's just a me thing. Um, but anyways, as a result, those one-on-one friendships that I really, really, really have had in the past have meant so much to me because it's like, I really, really like you. And I really want to talk to you every day and like care about your life and know the inner workings of your mind in a platonic sense. Um, and it's hard. I would categorize in my case, male and friendship females differently. Um, Mm -hmm. my whole life, I thought that that was a horrible way to categorize friendships, but the older I've gotten, I've realized that there are different dynamics that do come into play, um, by natural, but I guess the way that humans work. I don't do male friends anymore. Um, I would like to maybe at some point if I can regain my trust, but I feel like I've had so many situations where like it turns romantic and like, I don't reciprocate. So I'm like, okay, like I don't want to be friends anymore. Now our intentions don't align. So it's not going to work. Um, and then there was what in one situation ever I like reciprocated and we dated, but then that ended horribly. So like, I don't have close male friends anymore or new ones. I have like one back home that I still talk to regularly. That's been complete platonic. 
Um, but those male friendship breakups like really hit me hard because I felt betrayed. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I look at you as a brother and you didn't see me that way. And that makes me question the basis of our entire friendship. So I don't. Yeah. And it feels so icky to be like, oh, did you just do and say these things because you were doing it for an ulterior motive and not just out of pure platonic love yet that can feel so horrible yes and it makes you like it it doesn't make it feel authentic and you go back and you question things and it just it ruins the whole damn thing and so as a result like in new york i've noticed since i've moved here i've either i moved here in like july so now it's february Mm -hmm. um i've noticed that i've just gravitated towards female friendships naturally um i'll talk to guys but i i always have like a guard up of like being emotionally because i I have a thing. I really think that like, if a woman's emotionally vulnerable to a man, like a man is bound to fall in love with her at some point because men love a damsel in distress. And that's not to fault them, by the way. I think it's just a natural thing that happens. And I think it's okay. Um, but I think it's something that I'm just like hyper aware of. So it makes it hard for me to be vulnerable with men. I'm not romantically into. Um, that's so interesting. And how do you feel about female friendship breakups? Yeah. So that's, that's an interesting one too. I feel like I've had a history of like having, because I haven't been a friend group person, I've always been like a best friend person. Like, oh, this is my bestie. We're attached at the hip. So did you go through like a middle school, high school, like BFF phase of just like my ride or die, my number one, you almost (laughs) just like want to be twins. Like everything has to be. Yeah. I've done the, oh my God, twin flame, bestie, winning. Like, oh my God, I've done the whole nine. (laughs) I've done the whole nine. Um, I think I've had, yeah. So I've had like one female best friend at any given point from like honestly, probably middle school onwards. Um, but honestly, like, that's the other thing. It's like, I don't know if I just have shitty taste in people or if just a lot of people like don't have the best intentions all the time. But like a lot of those friendships also ended in like me naively trusting someone. And then me finding out that they've been like saying horrible things about me behind my back. And I'm like, Oh, I thought we were like sisters. Like what's happening. Um, so like, I, I realized that at least when I was younger, there was a lot of like jealousy and insecurity at play in female friendships I feel like at times um as I got older I was able to have more mature female friendships um but I don't my last female best friendship ended really badly um because I think I was also going through like my bad relationship and I was like trauma dumping in a way onto that front and that wasn't healthy for either of us um and the way that she went about it also wasn't healthy it was just a mix of a lot of mental health Mm -hmm. issues happening at the same time on both ends on lots of ends. Um, so her and I are not friends anymore. And I think since then, like the ending of that friendship was like very scarring to me. Cause I basically just got ghosted one day. I just woke up and she disappeared and it was like no word, um, for the longest time until recently, actually, which is, that's a separate thing. Um, but I think that's also maybe contributed to just like trust or commitment things yeah. romantically. Like I always think those kind of carry over into each other. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Like I have healed in so many ways, but I mm-hmm. also haven't, um, at the same time, like I've healed in terms of my self-esteem has been restored and I'm open, but in reality, when it comes to the vulnerability piece, I still struggle with that romantically and platonically with people to be completely honest. Um, I think it's going to take a while. Um, I hope that this isn't the way I am forever. Like I want to be vulnerable with people and have authentic connections. And for what's in New York, I do have like a strong, like base of like individual female friends who I like really admire and look up to. Um, but it's not the same thing of like best friends. We talk every day. It's more like we're adults. We have jobs. We'll see each other once a month and we'll have an amazing, emotionally connected, fantastic time. Um, but it's not like that giddy, like let's text every day kind of thing. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I'll get back to that, but I think I've also fallen out of that. I don't think there's anyone 
that I, you know, text every day, even if we're like close, like I'm, I'm not joined at the hip with anyone anymore. Yeah. And I think that just might be growing up. It might be that too. Yeah. Because yeah. I think be- there was always, almost a pressure to have that um, when we were younger, especially in high school. Um, yeah. But now I just, I want to like really love my friends and also live expansive lives wherever we are and then when we are in the same place and like that sucks right like it sucks to only see your closest friends like once a month but you have to just then really have like a good time when you're together yeah and it's different right because in college you'll have like overlapping friends like mutual friends but when you're living in a big city and you're working and you're meeting people people they're all very disconnected from one another because they come from different realms and different events that you meet them at in different circles so it's like hard to replicate that kind of college-esque friendship Yes. But I'm also okay with it because I think that like there are a lot of like healthy pros um, to the adult version of those friendships. Um, so I think that maybe it's just like an adjustment to post-college life too. Yeah, totally. Yeah, my relationship to friendships is really like changing now in the past year where like you go from living with these people to having to make space and time and like yeah. actually set up a call, you know, to talk to them. Like it's, yeah, it's a different ball game. And I think, schedule yeah, pros and cons. Yeah, exactly. You have to schedule in your best friends. And that's like the craziest thing like to say those words out loud. Cause I know. Yeah, I know. Okay. Speaking of scheduling, you work, I think one of the busiest jobs ever. <laughs> How are you balancing work and life in a new city? How are you balancing professionalism in such a male dominated industry? How is it living 3000 miles away from home? Like, do you feel the guilt of being far away from your family? Like, tell me about this, like adult chapter of your life. How is it? Yes. Yes. Um, Oh my God. So much to unpack. So I think like, well, look, I'm very grateful to have my job. I want to start with that first and foremost. Like I worked really hard to be here. I know lots of other people work really hard to be here. um, And it's, it's an honor to, to be able to do this at such a young age. Now, in terms of the work-life balance, I'm still working on that because I think a part of why the job is, is so generous in terms of their comp is because they kind of take that away from you. (laughs) Um, so what I've learned is just to enjoy the little moments when I have downtime. Um, I'm also very blessed to work for a firm that like, isn't too heavy on weekend work. So I do have like a 48 hour period generally, Um, obviously it can change given like client wants and needs, but generally I maximize those 48 hours from Friday night to Sunday evening. I'm like really out and about and socializing and exploring the city and doing things for myself and like trying new things. Um, and that's been really pivotal for me, just giving myself those 48 hours every week to have me time. Now on the weekdays, like it is harder. Like I feel like I wake, I'm sleeping from when I'm awake to when I'm asleep. Um, but on days I have a rule for myself. If I get off by 9 PM, I'm going to go to the gym that day. And I'm like, that's the day that I feel like, oh my God, I did something for myself. And I feel so good. That is crazy. Did you say 9 PM? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy, but look, I think it's like, you learn so much at such an accelerated pace. Like the only reason I'm able to justify doing this to myself is because I know that it will pay dividends in the future. And also like, here's my thing. I want a husband, I want kids and I don't want to be doing this while I'm doing that. Like, I, I think, I don't think you can have it all, all at once. I think yeah. as a woman, unfortunately, we have to pick and choose moments where we pick one over the other. And I know there's a point in my life where I'm going to pick my family over my career. That's why I want to build as good of and strong of a career as I can right now at these foundational years. 
so that I have the flexibility to be a stay-at-home mom. And it's so weird. I know those things don't go together. Investment banker also wants to be a stay-at-home mom. Like, and it's it, and they no, don't. No, but I love that you about you. I think you're a ser- like everything about you has always been you don't follow the mold and you really have <laughs> great strong opinions. And that's what I love about you and love talking to you about. So continue. I'm I'm there with you. I'm invested. Thank you. I appreciate it. But yeah, I mean, they're they're contradictory, but they don't have to be. You can do both of them just in different phases of life. So right now I'm in my like super single era, like no responsibilities. Like it's just me, myself and I. And my goal is just to set myself up for the future so that I don't have to worry about retirement. My kids don't have to worry about paying for college. My parents don't have to worry about a retirement home. Like there's so many things that matter to me so much that I'm like, if I can just work my butt off and like sacrifice my social life for a few years, like I can, I can bring my entire family up and we can thrive together. And like, and again, this goes to the, you know, I think you were leading to like the immigrant child situation. Like it also goes back to that. Like I want, I'm doing this for myself, but also for them and never, I know you're so close to your family. I'm really close to my family. That's one thing is like, I, Oh, I'm so thankful for them. And and being 3000 miles away from home to answer that point of your question, like, I love it because I've, I've gotten to reinvent myself and have a new identity. And like, it's just so cool being a stranger. It's so cool being a stranger. Cause I'm like, I don't know anything about you and you don't know anything about me and we're going to learn. And it's so exciting. There's no preconceived notions. And especially in the Bay area in the South Asian community, there is a lot of talking and there's a lot of gossip and I would go to parties and people would know who I am and who I'd been with romantically in the past without me even knowing their name. And I was like, this is not okay. This is like violation of privacy, but it's not because everyone talks. So being in a, in a new world was amazing um, for all those reasons, but the con was being away from my family. Um, and that's one thing that I don't think is ever going to be something I'm okay with. So I, I do hope one day to go back at some point. Yeah. I also, I think I want to end up in the Bay. I think it's so special to be able to be driving distance away from, you know, your people. Um, I think that's beautiful what you just said. And I know you work so hard and I, I think people see that in you. Like I, and I think I love the idea of like being a stranger and kind of just like getting to rewrite your story. And I love that you now get to tell people who you are. Like no one gets to try to tell you who you are. Like that makes me really happy. I don't feel boxed in anymore. I used to be yes. so boxed in the Bay Area because, like, you know, you watch each other grow up, right? And I was in the Bay Area my whole life, like all the way through college graduation. I was in the Bay Area, yeah, till like twenty two, yeah, till twenty two, exactly. So it was, it was, you, you get to, yeah, you get to unbox yourself and you get to be um, something new, which also leads to the existential part of it because I'm like, well, now that I can do whatever I want, I'm like, what do I want to do? So yeah, is what is your identity? Yeah, and what that also your- relates to like if you're one person Monday through Friday. Yes. 12 hours a day it seems oh like God. for you then like how how do you turn that person off and then turn on a new person Friday night it's and then so hard on, like yeah how are you dealing with just professionalism because I feel like that is I mean you're in a very male-dominated industry like how yeah. is that working oh Whew, man it's <laughs> it's not easy Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm and, very, and you're feminine and you're very, you're very feminine also. Yeah. I'll come with like my purse and like, oh my God. When I first started working, I used to like wear these like cute dress. I like lost the willpower. So I was just so drained. I was like, screw this. I'm just going to come in like black pants. I'm done and over this, but I used to come in these like bright dresses and these cute purse. I would curl my hair. I would like do my makeup every day. Like I was like, really like the girly girl in the office. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's, it's really like, I wish I could sugarcoat it, but it's not easy being one of the only women. Um, 
for what it's worth, like my, my firm, I'm thankful for it to be diverse ethnically. Like we don't mm-hmm. have just all white people. Like we have other Pakistani people, other Indian people, other Lebanese people. Like we have a very diverse um, ethnic situation. But I think the gender thing is something that they're pushing for, um, which I recognize and I appreciate. Um, but when you're, you know, in the beginning phases of that pushing, like it's 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 hard. Um, you know, like I just went on a ski trip this weekend uh, with with uh, my coworkers. It was a retreat for the company, and you know, there are a lot of times where you just don't know what to talk to them about. Like you you don't have the same shared lived experiences as them. Um, and a lot of times like you just kind of have to be quiet and do your own thing. And that, that doesn't mean that they're mean. It just means that you guys are different. You work together because you work together, not because you have a lot of things in common outside of work. Um, so I think it was a journey when I interned, like I was really emotional because I was like, these people hate me. And then I realized they don't hate me. It's just that we're coworkers and they're not going to, nobody like, it's not like high school and college where like you have your group and everyone's like, yeah, cool. Like let's support <laughs> each other. Like it's like, it, especially in banking, it's a very cutthroat dry industry. Um, and you have to be built a certain way to do it for a long time. And I don't, to be quite frank, I don't know if I have it in me to do this forever. Um, but I want to see how far I can get and see, really see what my potential is in this industry um, before I think about pivoting. If that's even something that I want, I just have a lot to figure out, but yeah, it's not easy being one of the only women. Um, sometimes you you feel alone and navigating that is not easy. <laughs> Do you have mentors at all? Yeah, there there are people at the bank that I really trust um, and feel like I can open up to and talk to um, candidly when no one else is around. They're like, hey, this is kind of what I'm feeling. Do you have advice? Um, so that's that's been helpful. Um, but in terms of having proper mentors like outside of the workplace too. That's something I'm in touch with the professor from Berkeley who I actually just texted the other day that I like look up to a lot um, and ask for advice every now and then. But that is um, the mentorship piece is something I want to work on outside of um, the office besides just that one professor. So yeah, working on it. Dude, it's hard. There's always so much to do, so much on the to-do list and it's hard to check everything off. I'm so proud of you and thank you for talking to me. I feel like I learned so much. and I love hearing your perspective on things because you think everything through so beautifully and elegantly. And my mantra for myself is always like strong opinions, loosely held. And you always like get in and massage my brain in like (laughs) ways. And I really appreciate that. (laughs) Thank you. I really really appreciate you wanting to hear my story and my thoughts. It's honestly just a lot of word vomit sometimes so thanks for thanks for sitting with me and that's a wrap thank you guys for hanging out with me and listening to this week's episode if you want more follow at show me how good it gets podcast i read all the dms i get on there and then my personal instagram account is at malvika bot and my tiktok is at maltalks if you're listening on spotify please leave us a rating preferably a five-star rating and if you're listening on apple podcasts I hope you can write us a fun little review and write us there as well. Once again, thank you guys for hanging out. See you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.